The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I am your host, on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak, it is good to be back. On this show, we look at some aspect of embedding the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work, whether that landscape is the floor, a bench, a wall, whether it's in a hospital, a bank, a factory. We are installing the language of our current level of operational excellence into that landscape, into that physical place. Even if we're not quite as excellent as we want to be or as we will be in a year, what we do is we make concrete that level of intelligence, how we currently understand and perform, execute our production system, and we make it concrete into visual devices, visual mini-systems, clusters of devices, so that we can literally see how we think and what we think. And we will embed so that it is predictable quality into the physical landscape of work through these devices. We capture it. And why do we bother? Because what we're doing when we're embedding the language of our excellence through visual devices into the physical landscape of work is we are saying we're going to make this work happen at this time We're going to make it at this cost. It is our KPIs made concrete. We get the bottom line benefit of improved safety, not just better quality, but quality that is executed to our spec because we made it so. Aligned delivery time, shrinking costs, and of course, out of that comes, out of that comes a splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. Because when we do workplace visuality, the visual workplace, comprehensively, it isn't just on the operator level. It isn't just in maintenance if you're in a factory. It isn't just in quality. It is in the engineering offices, in the purchasing offices. It is in the CEO's office. I'm currently writing a book on visual leadership. And believe me, there are devices to help every leader become a most excellent leader, and those devices are visual devices. And the whole enterprise is contributing what we call its need to know and its need to share through visual devices, and the enterprise becomes increasingly conscious, fluid, self-aware, self-aware. How fun is that? Hmm? So welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, we are well into our third year. We have about 70,000 of you listening a month. 
Uh, we hope to increase that. I'll be going to China <laughs> this year, and I think we'll increase that. I hope so. People can practice their English by listening to mine. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I mean that very respectfully, but, you know, China is big. And I want people to listen to the show. I want you to listen to the podcast and to send it to others. I want this to be useful to you. This isn't just a conversation, although my style is conversational, as you either know or are about to find out. But there is a point to each show, and if you would just allow me to make those points in my style, I'll do it much better than just kind of reading off bullet points, and uh, we'll be done in three minutes. So welcome, and it is so good to be back. I have to make some personal notes here because it's been nearly two months since you and I have spoken directly. You've been hearing encore after encore. Like you, I was away for Thanksgiving, and there were encore shows because we were taking a holiday. But then I got sick, very, very sick. I thought it was a cold. I'd been running with three-year-olds and four-year-olds, and they cough, I cough. They cough, I cough, but it didn't go away from me. They got up the next day peppy and happy, but I plateaued into misery, and then it got worse, and it stayed worse until about two weeks ago. I think Christmas Eve was my first coughless day, but I was still sick. And I was drinking my green drink, sunflower sprouts and bean sprouts, pea sprouts sprouted and um, juiced right from the box into the juicer into my tummy. Heidi Houston and I, Heidi is our special projects manager, we share a tall glass of green juice every day. We've done it for three months. But I still got sick. What's a person to do? So And then I also had three days of the seminars in Portland, and honestly, they just wheeled me in. I coughed, miserable, I presented, and then they wheeled me out three days in a row. And I, I would get home, go to bed at 6, sleep for 12 hours, get up at 6, and roll into the seminar room. I even took codeine cough syrup for the first time in my life, and I tell you, it does really weird things to your head, at least to my head, and therefore to my mouth. I said <laughs> the darndest thing. The darndest things, but people are very forgiving, and uh, I, I uh, could not believe the impact of that medicine on my synapses. I mean, I was really a different person, but I got through it, and you know, like you, when I'm doing something that I love, even if I'm sick, the energy comes from somewhere. The flow kicks in, and the magic happens, and I, I've done that many times. You know, I've been doing this now, I think I'm in my 31st or 32nd year of talking about and presenting on visuality. And it just the magic kicks in, thank God, thank God, because I was sick as a dog. So we had three great days, lots of learning, excellent learning on my side, and also, I believe, on the side of participants. And in today's show, I want to share some of the things that I've learned since I last spoke with you. Because I went on a trip to Seattle a week before the seminar, I think it was probably one of the reasons I got so sick because we did a round trip in one day and we went many, many, many miles, as you'll hear about in a moment. But I, I had a wonderful reason to go because a new friend, Stephen Lee, was coming to Portland for the seminars. He's from China. He came a week, a week early and I wanted to show him a good time. So, you know, I thought, what's better than going to see some great companies? But because I'm unfamiliar with, um, with uh, Portland. I've been traveling in and out of Portland for 15 years, but I, I'm only just getting to know the companies here because of the Portland seminars. I said, let's go to Seattle. 
and, and because in Seattle I knew some companies, I had been there, and the first two that I had in mind said yes, which is Genie, uh, part of the mega company Terex. They make the uh, lifts, the platforms, the work platforms. They're blue and they're beautiful. And they go up and down and they're really amazing. And FastCap. So I had, uh, I wanted to visit two plants that were different but still compelling. So Genie is a very successful lean-infused plant that is part of the Terex group, as I mentioned, and the most excellent plant manager, Dirk, uh, Dirk Becker, was our host. And he took us around. And he had taken me around the plant in 2008. The plant was in, uh, down the road. It had moved to a larger location, a larger campus. And, um, and I was interested to see what the transportation was like of the plant to the new location. Lots and lots of things have happened since 2008 and more about that later. And the second fast cap is owned and led, or I should say cultivated, by the incomparable Paul Akers and his gorgeous wife, Leanne. But the only thing is we didn't realize that a fast cap was well over 100 miles away from the Genie plant, snuggled up against the Canadian borders, border. It took us two hours when we left at 11. Anyway, we went home that night, and uh, it was just too much. My immune system, I suppose, collapsed on the way home. But we had a grand time, and I want to go into the details of that of our show today, which is called A Tale of Two Plants. <laughs> Good name, huh? A Tale of Two Plants. After just a few announcements, just a couple. We have some seminars coming up. We're going to be doing a visual thinking seminar here in Mar- March in Portland. I'm pretty sure I know the plant that we're going to uh, um, uh, have the visual side assessment in, and we'll tell you in about a week, probably by next week. We'll be in Oklahoma City in um, early May, the dates are, are going to be posted this week as well for visual thinking. I'll be in the UK in June and China probably just after that. Uh, that's our hope. I was supposed to go in uh, January and then in March and now it's going to be in the summer. Uh, and Stephen Lee, the great Stephen Lee, uh, is uh, organizing that. I'm very excited. He's a very, very fine fellow and very jolly and easy, easy to be with. Very accommodating. I took him to the gorge to see the, the waterfalls at Multnomah Falls, and they were frozen over. So gorgeous, just so gorgeous. It was so cold, but it was well worth that little trip. And then I received an invite uh, to present in Russia, but the details are still arriving. Three other things. I want you to know that we have finished the reload of Smart Simple Design. It's been a haul, but a greatly improved version, 25% improved, <laughs> Um, will be released, we think, in March. It'll have a new ISBN, if you understand that term. Uh, it is substantially improved from the 1994 model. It'll be available um, in print, on Kindle, and print-on-demand d- throughout the world, uh, as is visual thinking and work that makes sense, on Kindle in gorgeous color and worldwide on print-on-demand through Amazon. So... If you can't find it where you are, email us. We are making inroads into that all the time. We will help you. Just email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. Next, uh, me and I and my esteemed editor, uh, Aurelia Navarro, who has four Shingo Prize winning books under her belt, about to be five, I think, will tackle 
the Visual Systems book, which is currently out of print. I published it in 1997, and that will also be, we'll tackle that, and that'll be offered probably this summer. That will reappear again for those of you who have been, who have been asking. We need about three months. And finally, I'm heavily into my new book, Visual Leadership, The Principles and Practices of Visual Leadership, The Eye of the Leader. And I have decided to present this to you in a radio series, my thinking so far as I'm writing. It'll take us 10 or 12 shows easily. But I, I have discovered that we can structure in leadership skills and leadership, almost charisma, the, the profile of a natural leader by using visual devices in a particular way, the principles and practices for a CEO, for plant managers, but also for supervisors. So I'm very, very interested in uh, sharing that with you. And um, I want you to please continue to ask uh, questions. I want to thank you very much. I'm squeezing into the, the break, so I'm going to hurry a little bit. I want to thank you very much for all of your emails over the holidays, all of your good wishes for my return to health. I am sure you were my best medicine. Your words mean a great deal to me, and you'll never know how much. And I want to thank you also for your questions. We'll do a call-in show uh, in a couple of weeks or maybe a month. I need to kind of think that through. So let's slide into our break, and as soon as we get back, we'll begin with Jeannie, and then we'll go to Fast Cap, and I think you'll find it very interesting. See you in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and we're in our second part of our show today, which is The Tale of Two Plants. And I'm going to begin to talk to you about uh, the genie plant that I visited in Redmond. And what I discovered there, what I think is worth sharing with you, uh, we uh, were very, very pleased that um, Jeannie opened the, uh, the doors to us. Uh, I've known the plant for a number of years. Uh, I've known one of the movers and shakers there, uh, Colin Fox, for, I don't know, since 1985 or six, a very long time. And uh, he's uh, kind of the head of continuous improvement, strategic improvement. And my direct contact is Dirk Becker, who is the site uh, the plant manager of the site that I visited. So this is a massive plant, three shifts. In fact, there's multiple multiple shifts. I believe there are five. 4,000 people. It's part of a campus with other sites. It used to be in a different location and, and smaller, but still in Redmond. And I call this plant a classic lean plant. It is one of the many, many plants that has grown and refined itself against what's called the Shingajitsu model, a group of consultants, formerly with Toyota, that formulated a model of transformation. And for the last 20, 25 years, they have been um, doing that with many, many of the uh, of many, many corporations throughout the world. And I want to give you a little bit of background on Shingajitsu because it will partly explain what I discovered at the genie plant in Redmond. So this Shingajitsu group was formerly an internal group at Toyota headed by a wonderful gentleman who's no longer with us, unfortunately, Yoshiki Iwata. And the group was actually formed by Taiichi Ono in the 1970s, maybe even as early as the 60s, to help bring the Toyota approach to the supply chain, and this was long before Toyota was the Toyota production system as we know it or as it has been uh, uh, shared when Toyota came to the United States. This is before their move to the United States. And Ona was very occupied with cutting costs and with the new methods that would allow him to stabilize the company and have a good economic model, a good business model. Remember, they were coming out of the war, and they really – uh, recreated their economy from worse than scratch, from devastation to scratch, and then to where it is, where it was during the time of Ono and where it is today. And the group, which inside Toyota was finally referred to as the thugs of Toyota, the group were, ta- this group that, uh, Iwata headed up, was tasked with turning a supplier around and bring it into the Toyota way of production. And they were given a limited period, five days, four nights, a week. A revelation. It wasn't pretty, but it was very, very effective. From the point of view of aligning the production system with Toyota's model, up and down the supply chain, that means shifting from functional silos, uh, uh, where you have a group of stamping machines, and then you have the deburring function, and then further in another part of the plant, you have um, a welding or assembly in silos from these functional separations 
separations by function, to cellular design, where you line up the value stream in as abbreviated a space as possible, and they all flow sequentially, one, two, three, four, five, six. So you would have stamping, forming, deburring, um, assembly, plating, something like that, all in the same geographic area. It was a revolutionary idea, and these guys, Iwata and his co-thugs, this, is, this was a wonderful, elegant gentleman, so I'm using the term tongue-in-cheek, but as you'll see in a moment, their approach was very, very fast, aggressive, and unremitting. Uh, Iwata and his group would simply go through like a swarm of locusts, go through the supply chain. I have been to many, many, many of their plants over the years, many, and they are uniform. These plants are uniform in their ability to make money and drive out a particular kind of waste, the waste that is embedded in the geography and the waste that is addressed through standard work. They get very, very smart about workflow. Standard work is the foundation, but if you step back, you can see the notion of squeezing out the air, which is what standard work is about, squeezing out the distance, squeezing out the time, is an essential element of how the entire plant is organized and how it keeps going. For example, the genie plant I was in, I saw it in 2008, they've been doing this for 10, 12 years with the Shingajitsu group, and they keep squeezing. So they get the essential elements in place, standard work, and in the right sequence, and then they keep squeezing, and the layout responds, the design and redesign, the design and redesign of work, cellular work, fabulous, okay? So so Iwata in this group was a scourge of locusts swarming the Toyota supply chain. They took no prisoners. The plants were changed in a week, unrecognizable from its previous incarnation just five days before. And the suppliers took it, and they took it, and they took it because they had no choice. They were single-sourced single sourced to Toyota, and because they knew they were going to be making better money, they knew that the Toyota model was the one that was going to save them. And this this unrelenting and unopposed uh, uh, process, ladies and gentlemen, is where the slapping came from. If you're familiar with the reputation of the Shingojitsu group in the United States, that they would slap people if they asked a dumb question, that came from their uh, experience in Japan where you as a plant manager or an employee in the supply chain, and uh, you were in a military model. You were in an imperial model, top-down, do-as-I-say, obedience, command and control. If you ask a dumb question, the response, especially from uh, uh, folks below Iwata, Nakao, and uh, the other folks who, uh, who populated this group, was to slap you, and you got the message. That was a dumb question. Don't do it again. <laughs> well, they brought that over to the United States. Are you mad? They brought this over to the United States. I was in the first plant where this happened. We welcomed uh, Iwata for his very first trip here at uh, to Windsor Locks, uh, Jake's Breaks, George Conan Saker. That's where this whole thing began. And there I was, and I watched this thing happen in four days and five nights, me and, and Norman, and we knew that we were, had our 
hand on a uh, uh, a pot of gold but, and also on a tiger. You, you know, you can't slap American Union workers around. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We, they didn't tell us that in the specs, and we will be slapping people as part of our approach. Anyway, I want to say this, and very clearly, this approach was not ever allowed or even contemplated at the mothership Toyota proper, the OEMs of the Toyota system. The OEMs, not the supply chain. Ono would never allow it. Ono is the one who required the cultivation of quality circles and a slow, meticulous cultivation of the workforce and of the people in the workforce and the meticulous attention to performance engineering, which was a slow grow. It was aggressive, but it was not disruptive. None of this five days and four nights, because that was the mothership. This was home. We don't do that at home. It was very, very different. But the supply chain had to make the jump in five days. Okay? The model of Iwata came over with Iwata, and he brought that uh, to the United States, and out of that came rapid improvement events and Kaizen blitzes because we thought that was the um, Ono model. It wasn't. Nothing could be further from the truth, but Ono was, he was a humanitarian, but he was a businessman, and he needed that supply chain to, to uh, get smart and get smart fast. And that's what you get from these plants. They're very, very smart. The model came in 1985. That's where I met Iwata. I loved him. And the rest of the group were a little bit rough around the edges, but he was an elegant gentleman, and I'm sure the others have improved over the decades. I saw in a cow and some of the others uh, a few years ago. And a few years later, after they came to the United States, the group broke off from Toyota and formed their own consulting group, which exists today. It's called Shingajutsu, to spread the goodies throughout the U.S. Uh, corporate world. And they did, and they are, and they have. And it wasn't always pretty. They brought slops and all, and plenty of people objective, ob- objected. Plenty of people objected, loudly. So tweaks were made. But there's the same driving take-no-prisoners intelligence that informs the model. It's very testosterone. It feels very testosterone, very warrior-like. So Iwata passed on in the early 1990s. Nakao took the helm. And this is the bend that I, that I observed in the genie plant. I think the group was last in the plant two months before we visited. And so the plant has this specific feel. The layout and of the workflow and the layout of the work on macro and micro levels is very, very, very smart. It is also visible. And the shrink, the, the footprint is constantly shrinking. That's the logic of this model. You constantly shrink, shrink, shrink. Uh, Dirk showed us some amazing things having to do with an older, uh, an older product that they hadn't quite shrunk the fin- footprint, but there was so much thinking about it from an engineering level, but also for the people right there working uh, very, very strongly in the uh, in the cell in the area, and then further to the a little bit to the left uh, towards uh, the top of the. Um, the top of the plant, was one of the cells that had already achieved this. The logic 
of the workflow dominates and the eye is trained to spot the particular kind of waste that hides in the layout of function. Very physical. Things are smart. The plant is smart. It's smart on the layout level. It's smart on the detail level. It's smart in its innovation, which can be massive. And I will give you an example of that after the break. A massive innovation. Okay, and I have a little bit, there is a little bit of a bite in what I'm going to say because with all of this goodness, there are a couple of things missing that are very important to number one, notice, and number two, address. Okay, so we're going into our break. Please come back. I've got more to say and I hope you have more that you want to listen to. This is Gwendolyn Gals. We'll see you in a minute. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and this is the third segment of our show today. I'm very happy that you've joined us, and I'm very happy uh, to be here again in the flesh, living and breathing and not sick. Uh, sick in bed. <laughs> Our show today is The Tale of Two Plants. I took um, a new and very, very fine colleague of mine, Stephen Lee from China, on a little tour. I wanted to show him two very different plants while he was here in December. Um, and I wanted, I was thinking of what is waiting there in China uh, that will be a challenge for him as he thinks about bringing visuality to this vast uh, vast um, country 
And I chose the genie plant because it is a classic lean plant. And from the point of view of the business model, for those of you who are delivering visual services, you will have a very hard time selling visual services to a classic lean plant, especially one from the Shingishitsu group, because visuality is not part of their model of improvement. It is a kind of handmaiden, or it is a way of enabling a system the system that they're really trying to create, which is a very, if you will, lean, lean system, cellular design, lean from that, in that definition. They do not use visual to enhance the um, connectivity of the plant, or certainly not for cultural alignment. Uh, I don't even think they engage in that vocabulary. Um, Again, their roots are in the supply chain, and cultural alignment was not part of the uh, 30 and then 10% cost reductions that were required by Toyota OEM uh, that the supply chain uh, find those costs and drive them out. It was a cost. The cellular design model, the roots of lean, is a cost model. It has evolved into something um, much more rounded, but that's the way it began. And the, the, these guys were the warriors of that group. So when I... We got to the genie group. I said, I want you to see this, Stephen, because I want you to understand that this is the competition. You love visuality, but your competition is that people don't think they need it, especially in plants like this. It's a kind of ignorance in the Greek sense of the word of ignosis, not knowing, ignosis, gnosis for knowing and ig for not knowing. People just don't know. They don't know what they're missing. They don't know it's the missing piece and a strategic one at that. So look at this plant and glory in its smartness. Get how smart it is. Let me give you an example. It's smart on the layout level, smart in the details, smart in its innovation. Innovation meaning something new. There's some new value that is provided. And here's a massive example, the welding booths. The welding booths used to butt up against each other. In a row, you know how welding booths are, one after another. This is a um, 4,000-person plant, and the product is a welded product. So you got a lot of booths, one booth after another. But this did not allow for flow. I should add, it's about flow and standard work. It is also about pull. Yeah, it's a classic cellular design. This is the work of Shingojutsu. Standard work, flow, pull, in that order. Tack time comes quite easily after that. So the booths didn't allow for flow. And early, early on, even at the former uh, location that I visited in 2008, the booths were separated and also in this new plant. And it was so smart because the booths are separated enough to lay down a rail in the floor that passes through the booth and around it, kind of like an egg shape. But this is a real rail in the floor. The floor is smooth. You can get, you know, racks over it. It's not going to be something you have to jump over. So that it's like a checkout counter. The, that's the brilliance of it. Instead of pushing the cart with the metal on it, your whip, pushing it into the booth, doing the welding, and then pulling it out the same way it came in, the booth is mounted, I'm sorry, the, the cart is mounted on this rail, pushed in, 
the work is done, and then it's pushed through the booth out the other side on the rail to a waiting transport cart. There's somebody out there to catch it, a, a water spider of some sort. Catch the, the a whip, um, offload it onto a transport cart, and in the meantime, a second cart has already entered the booth and the welder is working on the new whip. We have flow. We have standard work. We have flow. We certainly have pull. And the booths are separated, so you're losing all that space, but what you're achieving is flow. It's fantastic. It's logical. It's efficient. It's tight. It's smart. And the visuals, and I'm going to now talk about the rest of the plant because there were no visuals at all around the um, the welding booths except for the placement of the whip outside the booth. None that I could see. I didn't go in the booth. I wasn't equipped. But, you know, my eye is pretty sharp about where are the visuals, even the tiny ones. I look at the work and then I see, I see the visuals. But there were visuals in the rest of the plant, but they were the usual visuals that I always see in a Shingizitsu plant. There was enough visuals, enough, enough to support the flow of whip. Strong colors, good differentiation, bold can't be missed addresses. I could see these addresses at 50 feet and they were as big as you please and they contained vital information and they were happily upper lower case, but the visuals were on a 5S level, which is, which is a very functional needed level. The visual wear. Mostly on, I did not see one system that was not, that was beyond 5S. I did see some visual management and some good ones, evolving management boards where there was uh, there were metrics and there was also some problem solving going on. That was very useful. But in general, this was not what I would consider a visual plant. If I were to give it a mark, I would give it at uh, probably a four, maybe a five, but extremely profitable because the costs were being driven out all the time. A massive plant full of work, full of focused work, standard work, was the organizing principle, flow and then pull. We'll see that at FastCap as well. Nothing wrong with that, everything right, as long as you know that it is not complete, that there is more and has to be more, and the more that this site was missing, and Dirk knew it, was the heart and its companion inventiveness. And he was working... To, he said, we gotta get at least, gotta get it back to at least where it was. But where it was even then was organized mostly around blitzes, rapid improvement events, not deeply woven into the psyche of the plant. It's not gonna happen. And it, and honestly, it won't be missed. Nobody's gonna complain. And the profit margins will not change. The only thing that you'll see is that people may look for another job. If it's a tight market and you've got competitive wages elsewhere, people will leave because their heart will give out. They won't have a sense of happiness and um, alignment, unity, in the place of their work. They'll be drawn somewhere else and they may not find what they're looking for the next place, but their employment will be kind of light, especially welders, oh my God. They're very, very valuable. So Dirk is working on getting back a level of participation, and I congratulate him for that. 
and I know I will never be able to persuade him to the level of participation, eye-driven participation, that I think makes money in a plant. But believe me, he's doing an excellent job. He's a warrior, diligent, full of experience, commitment. You know, I would hire him in a nanosecond if I had a plant. I'd steal him. He was great. And the plant had had the impact of the economic turn, uh, uh, downturn. People had been laid off. People, you know, who remained were still nervous. We had a great time at Genie. I'm very grateful for the visit. I thought it was terrific. I better move on to Fast Cap. Let's, let's travel north. Travel north to a different world, a different company in so many ways. First of all, there's only 55 employees. And up until January 1st, a week ago, the footprint of the plant was 17,000 square feet. And then they, a, a gorgeous little kind of farmhouse plant where things were added on as it was needed. And they moved in a week ago to an open space, gorgeous, it looks like on the outside, a three-story northern lodge, northern lodge, beautifully designed on the outside and inside, an open space that is three stories high. We actually used a genie, traveled up to uh, three, about, I don't know if it was three stories, but it was close to the ceiling. Uh, to get an aerial view of the plant. This was in December before everything was moved in. Gorgeous appointments, gorgeous bathrooms, which will come into play in a moment. Fast Cap was started in 1997 by Paul Akers and his wife, Leanne, and it has grown exponentially in the past five years. It began with a little cap. They made a little cap that you put when you're a cabinet maker uh, to, um, to cover over the screw holes, so that it looks nice. That's where they began. That's where FastCast came from. FastCap came from. But since then, they've innovated a vast array of woodworking products and tools for the professional cabinet maker, but also for us. I've got one of their wonderful, oh, what is that called? Um, oh, it's like a yardstick, in, <laughs> a yardstick in a little box. Measuring tape. <laughs> I've embarrassed myself. A measuring tape. It just escaped me. It's the codeine. It's still on my brain. Um, a measuring tape, and it has a little white space on the front so you can make your notes on pencil. has a pencil sharpener. has a little cut edge. has all of this stuff. I call it um, use the existing architecture. That's the principle that I see. But it's, you know, it's the do-it-all measuring tape. That's just one of the things. They have so many really, really cool stuff. Anyway... Paul said yes. We went up. Alex, our uh, Alex Blyer, our IT director, came with us. He was kind enough to drive up. I drove back, and we hauled Stephen Lee 150, 120 miles above Genie, and uh, we went to this fabulous plant. First the old plant, and then the new one. Paul Acres is nothing if not wildly enthusiastic about his plant about people, about learning, about continuous improvement. He is the epitome of the inspired natural leader at its entrepreneurial best. He's an entrepreneur and he's a natural leader. All, all Most uh, natural leaders are. I mean, most entrepreneurs are. The story of, of FastCap is a fascinating one. And Paul wrote a book also, that carries his philosophy, a small, mighty little book called Two Second Lean. You can get it on Amazon. It's very, very nice. And kind of his work begins in the bathroom. He, 
recently wrote an article, and it's like, get the bathroom right, get the bathroom standardized, make sure it's maintained, let everyone participate in that, take their turn, including him and his wife, he and his wife, and you'll you'll begin to organize a uh, a lean culture. Okay, he's a people person, and he has a very positive. Um, he sees the positive potential in every single person in the world, let alone at his plant. You spend an hour with this man, and you know he's the cockeyed op- optimist. And he wants everybody to have the same experience, success. He wants them to be happy and successful. And he spends time every, every day making sure that people are getting educated about the great moments in history, great works of art, the great figures that have shaped our world. That is part of the opening uh, of the day. So, people, so he's helping people get educated to a wild, wider world. He's not just a leader in title. He's sharing the bounty of his success and his education, his sensibilities, okay? So touring Fast Cap, well, I got to go to a break. You come back in a minute. I'll be here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is the last segment of our show, and I'm going to have to motor mouth it because I have uh, many things that I want to share about my visit to FastCap. So let's just pick up where we left off, and that is that FastCap is led by a real visionary leader, Paul Akers. He is a hands-on cabinet maker by profession. He started this tiny company. It grew. It grew exponentially. And he brought to it 
once he got the, the flavor of lean, many, many of those pieces. And he starts in the bathroom. And I can attest, because I met two of those bathrooms personally, that they are sparkling, uniform, and lean. The very picture of cleanliness, repeatability, and standardization. And, oh, should I say it, flow? Oh, no, I won't. <laughs> so he's not just a leader in title. He actually walks the talk and talks the walk. And touring Fast Cap in person allowed me to see a great deal. I saw the lean 5S on the bench tops and under them and the systems of improvement logic for the shelving, for the picking and the pudding and the packaging, for the equipment changeover. I met with several employees. They were all ignited, engaged, spirited, over the top, really over the top. And the the improvements derived clearly from the imagination and the willingness of the workforce that had been encouraged to value and cultivate these habits of mind. I call them habits of mind. And the tour did what I wanted it to do for Stephen. It gave him a place of contrast to see a very large, massively successful organization like Genie that had a missing ingredient that it sought but couldn't quite yet anyway reach and incorporate. And then we saw that missing ingredients in spades in Fast Cap. And by the way, uh, I've invited Paul and he said yes to be interviewed and we'll do that sometime soonish. And you'll get much, much more about how this thing works. But there was the heart, the beating heart. And there was the eye. And there was the cultivation of sovereignty and the cultivation of a plant that had a different kind of substance. Hmm? The values that FASTCAP teaches are fundamental to all operational transformation, all operational excellence. And the cultural alignment uh, was both the organizing principle or the organizing outcome but also the byproduct. So they work very well together. To name the most evident, respect for the individual, recognition of our inborn human imagination, the tactical importance of continuous daily improvement, the intentional cultivation of the positive will, one that will align with the corporate intent, and the indispensable role of leaders in leadership, that they must demonstrate that leadership with humility, but also with rigor. Okay. I was enormously impressed, yet I left wondering if FASTCAP could and would go further, and if so, how. Because for me, this came home to me when I walked through the new site, opening, you know, last week, architecturally compelling, 10 times the size of the current. I couldn't help but wonder if there was enough structure in the fast cap phenomenon that was beyond Paul Akers as a visionary leader, enough structure for the growth to be scalable. Scalable. Could it grow in depth and magnitude and fit the physical expansion? It's easy to hope so and almost as easy to assume it will happen with so much goodwill, positive shared history, fabulous marketable inventions, and with Paul's irresistibly irresistibly confident and progressive leadership. How could these not carry over to the new location and grow even more impressively? But I wondered, and I'm going to leave you with this thought. You know that my primary field of endeavor is workplace visuality, and what I look for 
Even in the fledgling visuality that FastCap now exhibits, I look for visual principles. I look for something more than standardize everything. What drives the improvement? Is it driven by a set of principles, or is it driven by personality, or is it driven by the very uh, meager profile that Lean gives, the very meager profile that Lean gives for what happens after you achieve standard work, flow, and pull? What then? How do you enrich that? How do you bring levels of consciousness, continuously deeper levels of consciousness, to the operational landscape? You can only do that through principles. Very, very few organizations, including the Shingo Prize, does a proper job on principles. They're beginning to understand it better, but not as well as they will in a few more years. These principles are the nuggets of truth, of knowledge, of cognition that allow us to fish and fish again, to learn to fish instead of just eat fish. It's a very important. And in visuality, they show in the layers of the bonus layers of performance when we have metrics that drive and not just monitor. When we have systems of visuality where many visual devices are focused on a single performance outcome, and you get this layering of intelligence, of consciousness, of logic, where you have an understanding and even a masterful understanding of causality. I didn't see that. I didn't see it in either plant. Causality, the long-forgotten heart of the Toyota production system, and the reason that Toyota has been able to scale up and become a dominant market leader. It's causality. It is not spoken of because it hasn't entered the popular literature. Literature. I cut my teeth on it in the 1980s. Toyota is about nothing if it is not about causality and the understanding of effect and cause. So FastCap is an exemplar of the innovation-driven American enterprise. And, you know, uh, Paul has a weekly radio show called the, it might be a cable TV show called The American Innovator. Great. But I wonder if continued reliance on the, the individual imagination can provide FastCap enough mileage to fuel its future. Every successful business has learned to make a friend of imagination. But let us not forget that imagination is a hungry ally. It must be fed. It is not enough for us to taste the fruits of it to continue. Even Einstein and Edison, imagination runs out of steam and fast if it is not grounded in principles. It is the principles. It was the principles for Einstein's mathematics that helped him create a whole other field of mathematics. But he needed that as a base. And that's what I worry about. Worry about it a little bit. I love FastCap. I love Paul, the dauntless, inspiring leader. No one does it better. But I I walked away wondering about that. And I hope that you wonder about these things, about what is it like, what is the process that will help a company redefine continuous improvement into its next generation equivalent, which is a workforce of improvement thinkers who are well on their way to becoming scientists of their own work and masters of cause on the attribute level, CEOs included, masters of cause on the attribute level. Hmm? Hmm. 
So I had a wonderful time with you today. We may begin our leadership series next week. I have to just see if there's anything else I want to talk about before I begin that because we're going to jump in and do a deep dive and kind of follow that road. Thank you for listening. And please come back. Please listen to the podcast. Send them to your friends. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And you know what? I'm signing off. Thanks. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management